If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We talk about them, we sing along with them, sometimes we dream about them. Yes, it's Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Welcome to episode number 229. I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship, and joining me this week, as every week, is my fantastinacious co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Uh, hello. First of all, fantastinacious is excellent, and I think we need to bring it into the world. I think that... Second of all... I agree. Sometimes We Dream About Them was an excellent uh, intro to our song today. Well done. <laughs> you know, it's a happy accident. I'm not going to act like I planned that, but it, 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 there are no accidents, as I like to say. So You do like to say that. This is obviously a cue to the fact that you, Sarah, have selected a song for us today. What have you chosen? I have selected Bill Haley and his and his comments uh, from the album The Songs We Taught the Fuzz Tones, which I think might be the best album title ever. And it occurred in the 50s. Like everybody else, just pack it up. Uh, we're doing a slightly lesser hit, I think. Mark can get into some chart facts for us. But this is uh, 13 Women and Me the Only Man Around. Um, my thought process in picking this was that we had been doing a lot of sort of 80s and 90s stuff that we were trying to come into the aughts a little bit, including with our uh, ranking album in the next episode. So I was like, well, let me go old school and then the oldest possible school that I could do without it being like Tommy Dorsey's <laughs> trombone fantasia or whatever the fuck. Rosemary Clooney and sings a song that Beethoven just wrote. <laughs> <laughs> and p.s i'm not ruling that out specifically rosemary clooney sings the fifth because <laughs> come on but this song uh, like this song brings me such joy but then the way that i came in contact with it was kind of dark and then the song itself is pretty dark and patriarchal and post-apocalyptic and it seems very elemental. Like I can't quite get a handhold on what about it um, literally sings to me. So let's hear a clip and then let's dig into our reactions to the song Qua Song and also the very strange history of this ditty. Here's a clip. I believe you mean one sweet my teeth, while another one buttered my bread. Two girls get 
chair dancing through the impending nuclear winter in which my fate apparently is to service bill haley in the company of a dozen of my uh most attractive help meets this song i mean i saw this song in uh that documentary the atomic cafe mm-hmm. which was just about like um you know pop culture's response to these ridiculous tests that you had to do where they'd you know they'd ring a bell and you'd get under your desk as a child which (laughs) my parents were sort of like i was like did anyone think that would and my parents were like no but i mean grown-ups seem to it seemed to be important to grown-ups so you just did it i was like okay um and it scores this fairly messed up actually ray bradbury and there will come soft rains montage but is so well paired with that like grimly determined happy grinning of the 1950s and their forward-facing attitude towards impending d- destruction of the entire planet um but this like this song's uh sexual politics are <laughs> in the proud tradition carried on by Paul Davis <laughs> and an issue I really need someone to write a clapback track from the perspective of some of the 13 women um, <laughs> who are in between the verses. Like, while this guitar break that we just heard is happening, the women are just doing it with each other and waiting for Bill Haley to get bored or, <laughs> or die. <laughs> so, um, universe, hear my cry because I can't sing or really play any instruments. Um, but yeah, the song. The song is a very simple seeming bop. This was the A side to Rock Around the Clock, which is sort of a sort of a jaw dropper for me. But I really had trouble when I was sort of prepping this the way we prep songs to be like, what is it about this musically, like orally, that that has me chair dancing? That, you know, it's really quite simple. Like the guitar is great and does a lot of things that the lyrics are not allowed to because 1950s, but there, there has to be something else that I'm not seeing. So Mark, tell me your thoughts on the song and then hit us with some facts. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, let me say Sarah, how happy I am that you brought this song to our show because I had never even heard of it, let alone heard it before. And now I am so interested by it and I am grateful for the opportunity to learn about it. So thank you for being excellent. Oh, you're welcome. And, I, I'm glad that I p- picked a song with such a like deep bench of background info that I sort of didn't even realize. Yeah, it's just a fascinating history here. So to give a little context to those of you who, like me, maybe hadn't heard this song before this episode, the atomic element of the song is in the very first verse when Bill Haley sings, Last Night I Was Dreaming dreamed about the h-bomb well the bomb went off and i was caught i was the only man underground there was 13 women and only one man in town so 
the whole conceit of the song is that he dreams about nuclear holocaust and then he has 13 women to satisfy him which is also Mm -hmm. strangely reminiscent of that idea about being a suicide bomber and you are given virgins in heaven right Mm mm-hmm it's like, yeah. why is there always this fantasy? I mean, it's not like it's that surprising to me that there are a lot of men who fantasize about getting to own every woman they see, but it's just sad that it keeps making it into pop culture. Anyway. Well, and not only is my dick important, it's the only dick. Like, it's it's so important. Like, we, we talk a lot about the um, annoying preeminence of the boner. Yes. Yeah, so- <laughs> <laughs> in pop culture product. In fact, we were just talking about that in the Gordon Lightfoot episode. And uh, but this is like the best of all possible boner fantasy worlds in pop music that it's like, <laughs> like it or leave it. <laughs> and I feel like you've already made a really good point, which is that this type of fantasy ignores the idea that maybe a lot of the women who remain wouldn't give a fuck about your boner even still. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's only one boner, but there's a bunch of hot women over here. Okay, bye. Yeah. Like, is there a cucumber in this bomb shelter? We'll work it out. Beat it, <laughs> William. And I guess if we need to recreate, you can just go fill up this cup, and then we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> anyway, oh so I do want to also stress that, like you said, this was the song that was originally the A-side and Rock Around the Clock, one of the most important songs in the history of popular music was the B-side. And mm-hmm. then somewhere along the line, that got flipped and 13 Women became the B-side to Rock Around the Clock. And it just goes to show you that nobody ever knows what is going to be a hit. No, It's always a guessing game. No one ever knows. Now, that being said... I think I was reading, though, that Bill Haley sort of insisted on recording this and on recording it like first before rock around the clock. And basically everybody else in the studio was like, I don't think this is your, I don't think this is your horse. Oh, well buddy. then maybe somebody knew cause clearly mm. that was correct. Yeah. Um, I do want to stress the fact though, that this song, like you said, is a bop. It, it's good. It's, it's very simple. It's got that very, early R&B flavor to it, but there's something about that persistent, catchy, guitar-driven beat that is very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very, like, danceable with a partner, too, yeah. I think. That, that, ba na na like, you just imagine, like, poodle skirts, saddle shoes, women flying in the air, swinger style. Yeah, and, and yeah. like, the under-the-sea dance in Back to the Future mm-hmm and absolutely not a damn thing wrong with that if you ask me now other facts i'd like to share going back to the fact that you said this album had the best name the names of basically everyone involved with this song are perfect uh the mm-hmm. song is written by dickie thompson <laughs> uh-huh just- who's whose version was banned for dirty lyrics yes because Dickie Thompson's version does not put the framing device of the H-bomb dream around it. He's just saying, one night, I fucked 13 women. I mean, Dickie Thompson isn't even <laughs> trying to, like, contextualize it. He's just like, yeah, I got busy 13 times. 
Well, and also, like, I, I understand that it's the 1950s, but the man's name that he chooses to go about in the world with is Dickie. Yeah. I don't know what you all were expecting, but... Because his, his birth name was James Edward, so he just, he pulled Dickie out of the sky, if you will. <laughs> one of the things that I find so fascinating about this song is that when Bill Haley was working on it with his excellently named producer, Milt Gabler, <laughs> uh-huh. they decided, you know what this song needs? It's got a lot of fucking. Okay, that's great. But it also needs the H-bomb. Like, what What was the conversation like where someone realized, oh, it's not that we need more cowbell. It's that we need more H-bomb. Like, I, uh, what? Okay. <laughs> but I can absolutely see that it's like how are we going to get this past like when you hear the when you hear the guitars like parentheticals in the song like i said before it is trying to do a lot of um like eyebrow raising winking that the lyrics can't really do right but particularly at this time in history like when you still have not the haze code, but like you're you're just having to signify really strongly. And despite the fact that like one of them buttered my bread, like why wasn't that deleted? Because right. it, if I'm the censors, I'm like, uh, <laughs> buttered my bread. I, I see you, Bill. But as part of a post-apocalyptic, whatever we have to do to survive, there are no rules, fantasy structure it's interesting that the stricture, like societal strictures are like discarded in that framework. Yeah. That then talking about like, well, you know, they're waiting on me hand and foot and then, you know, evening comes. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Like, but he's made it clear that it's a dream. No. So somehow it becomes winkingly coy as opposed to explicitly dirty. Mm-hmm. And this also relates the song back to the, at that point, not so distant tradition of blues artists who were singing about their jelly roll and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those sure. Ma Rainey and Bessie Smith songs are basically just about fucking, but they always make it seem like it's about cooking. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and yeah. And li- so much gravy. So much, so gravy. much gravy. I also just want to read here are just a few of the lyrics. You've already mentioned one, but I'm going to say it again. Um, I had two girls every morning seeing that I was well fed and believe Uh you me, one sweetened my tea while another one buttered my bread. That's not even a double entendre. It's just an entendre. No, (laughs) it's half an entendre. It's an entendre. And then later on, I had three girls dancing the mambo, three girls bawling the jack. And all the rest really did their best. Boy, they sure were a lively pack. Yeah. And this is actually making me think about that. Um, the Greek tragedy. Oh, gosh, it's just I'm just losing its title right now. But it's the one where all of the women rip the guy apart in the middle of the woods. The uh, Bacanti? The Bacchae, Yes. This is making yes. me think about the Bacchae because that's where my mind goes when I hear about fantasies like this. Because in the Bacchae, there's one man and a whole feast, a whole sea of women, and they tear him limb from limb. And I feel like, mm-hmm. you know what, Bill Haley, Dickie Thompson, 
that might be where we're headed here, and you just don't know it. <laughs> well, and the Greek play that came to my mind was The Women. The Trojan Women, yes. Right. Where everybody's like locked in a tower and the men are like, but our boners. And they're like, well, figure it out. Oh, my God. We're on strike. So, yeah, I just am fascinated that a song this dirty, really, because it even with the H-bomb brain, it's still a really dirty song. And, you know, it's tempting to rewrite the 50s as a sexless period. And then you remember that this was happening and beat poetry was happening and everybody mm-hmm. was still interested in they fucking is basically what we mm-hmm. what we're learning. <laughs> well, and, you know, Bill Haley's other hits were not like once you realize that any rock song like the the reaction of previous generations to rock and roll with this horror, which you and I have talked about many times as being tied to fear of a black planet, specifically fear of a black penis. Mm -hmm. But just generally that it was like, well, this is going to make the kids want to dance. And when the kids have been dancing, then they want to fuck like that's sort of how it works. Like you can't blame them for being like a little afraid, but it's like, well then just get out in front of it with some birth control. I, I don't know. Like teenagers going to teenager like be real (laughs) like you you all remember the 20s and look how that turned out so there's there's that aspect of it but there's also like specifically that in order to try to make uh rock and roll and especially more r&b rock and roll like palatable for radio play Mm -hmm. like Bill Haley, you look at pictures of him, like you Google this song and this picture of him, he looks like he belongs on, he's like a, like the ivory snow baby, or like he belongs on a package of biscuit mix from the thirties. It's like cherubic red cheek biscuit dough. Like (laughs) it's, it all seems very innocent, but you can replace the word rock in any song from the fifties with the word fuck. And it's. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, man, that's right. Rock around the clock right there. Mm-hmm. Jail, jailhouse rock. It's not about rock. <laughs> like, oh, were they were they dancing in the jail? <laughs> Is that what they're doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, cutie. <gasps> T- tell me another Uh-oh. one. P- please butter my bread. Um, And th- that was tr- truly just talking about toast. Yeah. It is worth noting that both Anne Margaret and surprisingly Dinah Shore recorded the gender flipped 13 men. <laughs> Dinah Shore. Dinah Shore. So I, it makes more sense for Anne Margaret to do 13 men, but for Dinah Shore to do it too. And they kept all of the H bomb lyrics. They just mm-hmm. flipped the genders of, of the rest of the story. Okay. I have to say that from our 21st century moment that's the storyline that i'm much more interested in <laughs> yeah but the, well yeah but you know god bless Anne margaret for deciding that she was going to go ahead and and talk about this and dinah shore all right step off your talk show stage for a minute and get down to business i and i really feel like there must be like someone at like mcsweeney's or something must have done the like you know 33 and a third short films about the 13 women or like <laughs> 13 you know woman number 11 diary day 614 
Have you ever noticed that his penis bends to the left? It's really beginning to bump. <laughs> well, I am so glad that you brought up the idea of a film because this has nothing to do with the song, but there is a movie oh, yeah. that was released in 1932 called 13 Women, and it's available on Amazon Prime. And if I may, I'd like to just read you the first um, paragraph of the plot description. Please. 13 women who were sorority sisters at an all-girls college all write to clairvoyance to a clairvoyant swami who by mail sends each a horoscope foreseeing swift doom. However, the clairvoyant is under the sway of Ursula Georgie, a half-Javanese Eurasian woman who was snubbed at school by the other women owing to her mixed-race heritage, and this behavior eventually forced her to leave school. She now seeks revenge by manipulating the women into killing themselves or each other. She also goes oh to the clairvoyant. Into, she also goes the clairvoyant into killing himself by falling into the path of a subway train. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who? And there are some names in this, no? Yes. So the clairvoyant. I mean, uh, Ursula is played by Myrna Loy. And mm. the primary woman in the sorority, the one who survives, is Irene Dunn. Oh, sure. So 13 women, y'all. Just a lot going on. I, I feel like maybe this needs to be a this needs to be a group watch. <laughs> Honestly, our June for single, us and the listeners, our June single could be that we watch this movie. It's only 70 minutes long. And then we talk about it. I'm I'm not against it. <laughs> I mean, who among us hasn't manipulated a fortune teller into forcing our enemies to commit heinous acts? Well, really, if I had a nickel. (laughs) If I had a nickel, I could buy the 45 of this album. I well, you're still right. Thank you for thank you for coming so far back with me in time. I wasn't sure how this was going to go, but this song really was quite an onion discussion. Well, and you're you're right, too, that now I want to know. The biographies of the 13 women, like day 97, it seems Donna has finally had enough. (laughs) I mean, this has been a great episode, but um, listeners, Mark and I have to go write this. So (laughs) thanks for listening. Mark and Sarah write fanfic about songs. and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at MarkandSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash mastass. Thanks for listening.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.